see. Oh. Okay. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa barak la nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'atahu sahla. Wa anta tajlul hizna idha shi'ta sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husni ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So uh, this is a, uh, a session of LP in Islamabad for the second time. Second time I think in three years. What was the name of the last place? Al Falah. Al yeah. Manzil, yes. Yeah, it was a proper, like, a community, community center or something like that, yeah. We skanked them this time, to be honest. <laughs> and we upgraded to Gem, which I want you to say the full Singaporean version. Garakan Economy Merdeka. That's it. That is the one. So we are under the generous uh, patronage of uh, Ustad Kamran Kayani who as you guys will know is one of our dear friends and long-time associates and LP student and the managing director of GEM which as you heard in Singapore in Singaporean means nothing to anyone and uh, it is some e-learning thing and even from that we can't even benefit because it's like a corporate thing it's like for the Special law, Giani. You know, it's like for the big people, not for the, not for the pendus like us. <laughs> so that's okay. Even Giani, the big log needs something, I guess. So, um, what we're going to do, inshallah, in this lesson is to um, is to carry on with the chapter of the aura. And in the last session, okay. And I don't have obviously when I don't have Shazad with me, then I don't have anything, which means that I'm completely disorganized. But. Um, the actual piece of text that we was we were reading is woman in kashafa woman kashafa ba'da awratihi wa fahush aw salla fi thawbin muharram alayhi aw najasin a'ad la man hubisa fi mahallin najas okay so that's the text now that translates as and so whoever um whoever's aura is significantly uncovered okay significantly uncovered or part of his aura is significantly uncovered or they pray in a thobe which is uh, a thobe which they wear which is haram okay uh, or which is impure najis then they need to repeat the prayer and whoever is trapped in a place of filth or an area which is filthy then uh, that person gets a free pass. They, that person does not need to repeat the prayer. This is the humbly position. Okay, this is the position of the Hanabila. Now, we spent a good couple of weeks, uh, well, not actually, sorry, um, two weeks ago, actually, three weeks ago, we spoke about the uh, issue of the one who uncovers their aura. And we spoke about that in detail. Uh, and, you know, effectively, we summed it up as that the only time that the prayer needs to be repeated i.e. the prayer is invalid when we say the prayer needs to be repeated it means the prayer is invalid okay and remember something that we learned before that something being invalid is separate and uh, aside from whether that action is haram or not or maybe i should turn it around the other way and said that sometimes an act can be haram but it doesn't necessarily mean that it invalidates the act of worship that you're doing okay the classic example for this we've spoken about this a lot of times is the one who um, fasts in Ramadan, but for some insane reason does not pray. 
Okay, now minus the fact that the people who said that that person becomes a kafir if they intentionally leave the prayer, leave the prayer, leave that issue to the side. The majority of the scholars they consider that the one who does not pray is a fasiq, even though the act itself might be an act of kufr. Okay, so the point is is that even though it is absolutely of course haram, no doubt about that, to not pray. However, the fast itself is valid because its conditions have been generally fulfilled. So that's a good yani, starting point for the rest of our, uh, for the issues that are going to come now about a thawb which is haram. So as I said, we did the first part, okay, we did the first part which was that the awrah becomes uncovered. So now we started last week, or he prays, he of course means she as well, or they pray in a haram thawb, okay, uh, haram thawb. And what did we say? We said very briefly that a thing can be haram for different reasons, okay? A haram can either be, a thawb can either be haram because of how it has come about. So you stole the thawb, likasbihi. Or it is, and this is page 173, or it is haram li meaning it in itself is haram. So that would be, for example, um, a silk thawb for a male, or a, I don't know, a, a, someone said a see-through thawb, for example, but I said that that wouldn't count. Because a see-through thobe doesn't cover in the first place. And we said before that we're talking about a thobe that it covers. And so if it covers, then then you know that's one part of the job done. When we're talking about it being haram, it's the second part of the issue. Okay, the second part, meaning that it's already covering. If it doesn't cover, if someone's wearing yani, clothes which are see-through, then forget about it being haram for whatever reason. First of all, it hasn't even done the job, so it's, 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 it's pointless. Um, now, where did we stop and spend all of last lesson? We said that something which is haram li'aynihi is not just the obvious, which is the, you know, a thobe with gold on it or a thobe which is silk or something for women. But what about a thobe which has pictures on it? Okay. And, we, and uh, we're not going to cover that again. We reviewed the last week's lesson. We went into huge detail about the nature of pictures and why are pictures haram or not and what makes them halal and what are the ilal and so on and so forth okay so that was the uh the point in summary we can say that we should as a safety point of view this is we said that it's one of the most difficult issues in fiqh yeah it's a real difficult issue the, the modern day ruling on pictures and uh, uh, uh images and of course we are only talking about pictures and images which are uh, of animate objects of life yani. so nothing of scenery but animals and human beings now, um, we said that um, the safest position is that to either deface something which is obviously trying to represent in a proud way an animal or a human being, either deface it, or if you're not going to deface it, then cover it up or avoid wearing it. That's the safest position, even though I discussed many points and said that there are, uh, there's a lot of kind of latitude. There's a lot of, you know, uh, I was going to say, uh, sister, you know there's uh, um, there's 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 uh, thingies outside. You know it's like biscuits and things like that, and uh, should enjoy that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just open it. Just open the plastic. Just open the the, the plastic. Normally, uh, you guys, the, the folks who be watching this now, they'll be saying yeah, cakes and thingy whatnot. <laughs> but I tell you what, they get all the chocolate. Well, actually, I have to say I get all the chocolate. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. But in children, we also look after ourselves. Matai, if someone is looking uh, generous enough, and maybe some dates and stuff like that. 
Although in the last few weeks, the sisters have, to be honest, let the side down. The sisters are normally the ones that, that you know, in Shidal, I'm saying, they bring chocolates and it's lessons and stuff. But they've been, they've been like, slacking. Yeah, yeah. No names mentioned, Jiva or Farah. Um, so, um, I, I, you know, you will see when you when you study last week's lesson again and revise it, you'll see there's a huge amount of detail when it comes to pictures. It's a hugely controversial matter. It really is difficult, and it's best just to avoid pictures as best as possible. Okay, even though when you look into the tafsil, you will see that I believe that it's allowed for you know to to wear small ones that are not significant and where the face is not super clear and things like that. I think there's a lot of yani laxity. All right. Okay. So now let's go to. Well, uh, uh, the Sheikh then says, Okay, um, what about something which is haram because of its nature? Okay, the thaw because of its nature, or how it's now, if you literally translate it, means um, because of its characteristics. Okay, and actually, to be honest, I think that's probably a better translation than me trying to say because of its nature. Because the example is, is that a man wearing women's clothes. Okay, so that's very interesting. Okay, the Hanbalis basically would say that a cross-dresser, yeah, you didn't even tell me the phrase, Yani, Kamran, uh, of the uh, people who are doing that connecting. Aha, you see, everything, every lesson is live, real, and relevant. <laughs> Come on, we've got to teach these people that there's real people out there. Yeah, the, the, the formal term is Khwaja Sara. Right, Khwaja Sara. What a, what a shot. <laughs> what a Khwaja Sara you are. <laughs> Not you, I'm saying, Danny, when I'm practicing to get my, my attacks in. Okay. Like when Shazandi start messing about, I'll say, Oi Khwaja Sara. Is that a real bad phrase? It's not, is it? It's not, the, it's, not, it's not as bad as the G word. It's not, is it? That's a very bad word, sah? Yeah. That's the phrase that people yani, tell me to use and make it out like it's nothing but they, because I'm not very good in Urdu and Punjabi, mm -hmm. you see? And they try to catch me out. People use that, do that to me. They say, you know, say this, use that, say this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Honestly. So, so I wanted to mention that actually. I want to talk about that. Um, so, um, if you look at the, the LGBTQXYZ and which, which, which extends every single day, <laughs> Now it's going into symbols, plus, minus, small t, top t, yeah, a lot of bakwasi on it, the whole thing, right? Um, the first, you know, uh, phrase is lesbian, gay, bisexual, all this, whatever. That refers to completely impermissible acting upon desires. There is nothing there of, um, uh, uh, let, 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 let me be, no, not, not, not let me be careful, let me be trying to be as accurate as possible. You'll know, so this is interesting because last week's lesson went, took a massive tangent and talked about pictures, but LP is meant to be about tangents, so who cares? So this week's clearly going to be about <laughs> lesbians and gays, all right? So what I want to say is that, you know, for the longest time, everyone has been arguing over the fact whether uh, uh, homosexuality is a genetic mutation or not, and it used to be a very strong uh, um, argument. It used to be a very... Uh, 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 back in a day where society was not so ready to celebrate gays and lesbians, the idea was to write it off as something they had no control over, therefore you have to accept them and celebrate them. Yeah, And so when they were pushing that, it was scientific, it's real, people can't stop it, it's, it's, it's natural for people, like a person is very emotional, a person is very angry, a person is gay, and it's happening from internal kind of things, genetic and 
whatever. And of course, there was a massive backlash from the religious community, the, 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 the you know, monotheists, Christians, Jews, and everyone. Uh, said absolutely impossible. We can never accept that because if you accept that, then it means that no one's got any agency in the issue and it's all God's fault then. Mm. Yeah? And that means that a person is not doing anything wrong. So you can see, obviously, that there was a... Uh, and, and, and I just want to say that their argument wasn't nuanced enough and hadn't been developed and ours wasn't, wasn't also... Yeah, and it was an immature argument as well and it hadn't been developed. But in fairness to us, Muslims, Jews and Christians, we were only dealing with what we were dealing with. Yeah, and you can only deal with the, you know, what's been, what's on the table. So, they were pushing as a genetic mutation. Now, obviously, then once people started to become more confident, um, they realized that actually that was an outrageous term because it then turned into what they had into a disease, and they didn't want anyone to believe that there's a disease. And so then they changed tact, and then the PR campaign went a different way, and as opposed to no, in fact, it's the exact opposite to a genetic mutation. It's a completely a, a, a choice. It's how I feel, and you must never tell me how I feel or what to do with how I feel, and I must always have the right to be able to express my feelings, okay? It is not an illness, and I'm not ashamed of it. It's not a disease, it's not a disability, it's not something negative, yeah? So they realized that they had really been pointing out a really rubbish argument for themselves, and then they moved to that one. And now the Muslims have now been struggling to counter this kind of and the Jews and Christians have been struggling to counter this, okay? And I guess the best way of understanding it is that um, now, looking back, myself, when I look back, and I remember using the argument on Dao tables as well, that there's no such thing as a genetic mutation. I want to say now, revising my own thoughts about the issue, is that actually this is a red herring. It doesn't matter whether it's a genetic mutation or not, whether it's a disease or not, or whether it is absolutely the most natural thing in the world that every single person could suffer from or not and that's a very important i think now that this is the islamic position it doesn't matter what matters is you have to control it like men like women and women like men and everyone wants to have sexual relations but you're not allowed to simple as that and you have to wait until marriage and you have to do this you have to do that yeah i need the normal rules so it's not just about uh, same sex it's about all of desires actually drinking if you've tasted some types of alcohol they're very very nice certain types of haram food etc yeah they're not all disgusting we'd like to make it out to us that they're all disgusting that's not the case to make things disgusting makes it just easy for us and it's a poor excuse and actually if you think about it to say that it was a to, to deny that it's a genetic mutation or not it's like the modern day version of saying that bacon is disgusting or that beer looks like urine now the thing is the beer does look like urine and it stinks like urine and I think it tastes like urine as well but that only refers to beer what about like Baileys as I always say you know uh, or, or some whiskey with some cream or whatever something that looks really nice okay so you can't apply that it doesn't even look bad either it looks like a chocolate milkshake you know what I'm saying so you can't you can't always just take the easy route and trick yourself and trick the other people sometimes you just got to tell the people listen Allah doesn't want you to do that it is great, it is wonderful, it is tasty, it is lovely, it is nirvana in terms of delight and, and, and whatever. So the point is, is that these crimes are not the crime of having the feeling. Even for the homosexual, even for the lesbian, to have a desire towards the opposite sex, that is not sinful. That's a desire which needs to be controlled. And it is the acting upon that. And it is the allowing of, and you know, some people, they, they, they are not as deficient in their description here. Because they will just say, 
uh, is only acting upon it, physically acting upon it, which is impermissible. And that's no doubt about that. But that's not enough. You've got to say, not only is acting upon it impermissible, but to normalize it is also impermissible. So just because you have it, then you start to speak about it in positive terms. Or for example, because you have that feeling, you put yourself in scenarios which are inducive to, uh, conducive to that scenario. Yes? And you make your... Um, you, you basically harm your desire. No, not harm your desire. I mean, you, you feed your desire, basically, as opposed to suppressing it. You're meant to stay away from it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the point. Now, then we move into a categories, the T and the Q. I, I, I don't even know what the Q means. Apparently, Q, queer, is now different from gay. I don't know how that's different. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how, uh, you know, uh, that's different. Uh, bisexual is clear, okay? Uh, lesbians clear. Homosexual gay is clear. No, Trans. The, uh? the third gender is the Z to use the pronoun. Z? Uh, There's a Z as well? Yeah. yeah. Our alphabet machine is going to run out yeah. of letters. <laughs> then it's going to become LGBTQ, ABCDFG, <laughs> Alif Ba Ta Sa. <laughs> yeah, they can go into other languages, right? They don't identify with what they are physically. Yeah, yeah, physical they're genders. perfectly fine physically, unlike transgender, but they, they just say, for example, I am a man in a woman's body. Oh. And they say, you don't use I'm he not. or she first, use a third pronoun which they invented called Z. No, they like to Z be referred to as their choice. Ah, okay. So wait, 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 just wait, just wait. Intersex and transgender i believe are the same word okay uh, someone can maybe correct me on that uh, but um uh, uh the idea of actually i'm not even too sure what intersex is. i mean first of all you need to know all these phrases are new phrases and from in our sharia we only have very few words and actually we did cover this in detail you'll find this in lesson um i can't check it now send the phone but lesson four year four i think uh lesson 15 14 whatever if you go back and that was when we spoke about whether what breaks wudu. Okay, so when you want to find it, okay, look for the chapter on invalidators of the wudu and the touching of the private parts. And there's a subsection for the for the muhannath, okay, the hermaphrodite. The hermaphrodite is someone who displays both sexual organs, okay, and they are unable to distinguish. Now, for me, this is what intersex is. Yes. So that's yani, not yani. Uh, I don't know what else it is. Yeah, this is what I know. Okay, so we this is no, 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 but 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 uh, but uh, when we, I, when I spoke to you about it, I said that is there a physical, yani reality? Because a physical reality is something which is not a curse word at all. Yani, yeah. What I mean is that intersex people. I mean, you see, out of all of evil, there's always some kind of positive that comes out as well. Now, this is all nonsense, right? But the the transgender, I don't even know what transgender is. Isn't transgender? Is that what transgender is? So which category is a cross-dresser for it to fall into here then? None. None of them. Because there's not there's there's, there's nothing well Wallah it's confusing. I, I I I I'll be honest with you, I don't know I don't even know where to draw the line of which part comes where or whatever, because a cross-dresser is someone who Well, they just they, they, they like wearing the other person's clothes, but then they make themselves out to look like the other person. And that's something which is impermissible. The Prophet ﷺ prohibited that, I mean, clearly. Okay? 
but there doesn't seem to be any physical desire act or anything like that. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, but transgender, I don't even know what that is. Sex change operation, obviously. Now, sex change operations is not all bad. Just like, you know, when you look at LGBTQ and you write them in the same boat, they're not the same boat. Intersex is a recognized physical reality. And our books of fiqh and our Islamic ruling is that this person does actually develop into what they want to develop into. That's very important. Now, if you remember when we covered it from a fiqh point of view, the scholars used to say we wait to see until it, ur it urinates. It urinates. And if it urinates out of one organ, then we, we give it that. And if it or urinates out of the other organ, then we, we assign that gender to it. It's very arbitrary. Very arbitrary. So I'm saying if there's a scientific way of, of, of determining what an what a, what a intersex uh, man-woman is, then we go and support that. And if a person carries on their life with, with the same both organs, okay, but they identify with one, then we support that person. We support that. And that's Mukhannath Yani Mushkil. And um, you can go back and see that. What were we talking about this for? Ah, the clothing, yeah. So, so this, uh, uh, what, what? What? Khwaja Sara. Yeah, Mukhannath. That's a real category. That's a real category. I thought that you talked about, you were talking about cross dresses. There are some of them, among them, the yeah. people we were talking about, who yeah. are really Khwaja Sara. Yeah. Some of them. And then there are some who are cross dressers as well. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to say about the, the, uh, 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 the cross dresses, they should not be. I wonder if that actually interrupted the recording. No, I didn't. Yeah. Um, the cross dresses are by their nature uh, not doing. Uh, 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 that, that's an impermissible act, right? And when I said that from society point of view, we should not be supporting them. Okay? But transgender needs support. These are proper people. Yeah, honey, that's, that's, a, that's a physical reality. Now, I want to warn against something. There are some intersex folks that play on that role. So they present as a man, but then they kind of present themselves as a woman both times. Like a cross-dresser. That's unacceptable. Upon the intersex person is that confusion, that help, that we help. And then once they choose their gender for the right reasons, then they stick to that. Then they act out what they want to act out. You know, then that's fine. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, anyway, that's that. Right? So we said that it's not permissible to wear clothes for one another. We're still in the Hanbali Madhab. Remember, we have not come to our position or indeed the position of the other three Imams, which actually is all the same. Actually, I did mention it last week that the prayer is going to be valid. But let's build up the arguments first. Um, there's something interesting that you need to know from a fiqh point of view. Sheikh gives an example of something which is haram because of its uh, price being haram. Okay, so he says, وَمِثَالُ الْمُحَرَّمْ so an example of a thobe that its actual uh, uh, cost, its actual money, its actual value is haram is the following. This is complicated, okay? So watch this. If a person was to buy a thobe with stolen dirhams, okay? So he's stolen some money, right? And let's say he stole a hundred uh, pounds. He steals a hundred pounds, and the the uh, uh, the person says uh, it goes into a shop with a hundred pounds, and he says that 
um, this thobe for that money that you have in your hand. This thobe for that money. And he pays him with that money, 100 pounds. Okay? Sheikh says, In waqa al aqd, ala ain al dirahim, lam tasih al salafi. Here, this act, obviously haram, but the prayer is invalid. But if another scenario is that if that thobe was sold for a hundred pounds, but not the stolen money in his hand, and he's got stolen money in his pocket, and he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out 50 from stolen, 50 from there, or even a hundred from the stolen, but he didn't realize. Okay, he's got 200 in there. Okay, mixture. But the point is, is that, that that haram money was not specified, but rather that haram money was used. And that's also haram action, of course, the, 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 the stealing and the purchase. But the prayer is valid. The prayer is valid. How did the Hanbalis differentiate between the two? And it does sound a bit kind of, you know, whatever. He said, Sheikh Uthameen uh, goes, This is from the accuracy of the scholars of fiqh. Once you've gone into that shop with that haram money and that person says this stole for that haram money, this contract is invalid. And because the contract was invalid, not only was the thobe haram, the contract was haram and therefore praying in that thobe, which was uh, achieved by an incorrect yani, uh, aqad, According to the Hanbalis means you pray the prayer again. Whereas if you were to walk into the same shop and it was um, that you walk into the shop and the guy goes, this thobe is 10, is 20. You say, give it to me for 10. And he goes, okay, you got it for 10. And then you give him the 10 from the money in your pocket. Then what is this? This is a valid sale. The sale is valid. Even though the price of it was haram. Okay? Because the haram money was not specified in this contract. And because it was not specified, it therefore does not take the ruling of the contract being impermissible. Um, you might say, what's the evidence? What has this got to do with the prayer? Why would they say that, okay, you've done a haram act, but why is the prayer invalid? Well, they said, well, because to cover yourself, sitar, to cover your aura is an act of worship. It's an ibadah. And the ibadah, if it is done in a way which is impermissible, then it is rejected. So if ibadah is done in a way which is impermissible, it is rejected. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, Whoever does an action which is not from our actions, then it is rejected. Okay? And sitar is from the conditions of the prayer. And this thobe is haram. And it is not possible to do an obligation with something which is haram. Because this is, yani, this is like a paradox. It's not possible to have something which has to fulfill an obligatory role but itself is prohibited. So the thobe is obligated to wear to cover your aura. But at the same time, it is prohibited because you bought it yani, with haram money or you wore it in a haram way or you're using it for haram purpose. So, the Sheikh says, according to the fuqaha, هذا sitar ka'admihi. 
Yani the presence of this covering is like it, it wasn't even there in the first place. It's like literally cancelled itself out. It's cancelled itself out. Okay? لِأَنَّهُ جَعَلَ الْمَنْهِيَ عَنْهُ بَدْلًا عَنِ الْمَأْمُورُ بِهِ Because he literally took this impermissible thing and he replaced it with something that he was obligated to do. Okay? So these, يعني, they basically uh, uh, cancel itself out. Now, Shaykh Al-Tamin admits it. He goes, well, هذا تعليل قوي. He goes, this is a strong line of reasoning. Okay? This is a strong line of reasoning. It makes sense. And we get what they're saying. And actually, he goes, and, uh, and remember, he's talking about this as a principle of fiqh. He goes, this is actually supported by hadith as well. He goes, or rather, more accurately, he goes, this could also be supported by a, uh, a hadith which has been narrated from the Messenger وسلم, about a person who was musbil izarahu. Musbil izarahu. Now, that means that he was wearing a, you know, the uh, lungi, yeah, the bottom part, but it was below his ankles, which is something which is impermissible, right? The Prophet ﷺ said, yeah, and anything which is below the ankles is in the hellfire, three times. So, he was wearing that, and the Prophet ﷺ commanded him to repeat the prayer. Now, this hadith you see in the bottom of 174 has footnote 2. If you go to footnote 2, it says that we covered the takhrij of this hadith in volume 1, page 230. Okay? Now, um, when you go back and see that, you will see this hadith is one which has been very, very uh, uh, controversial in terms of its uh, authenticity. And I believe it is weak. And so do the majority of scholars, in fact. Okay? So therefore, it has not been established that the Prophet ﷺ ever actually made a person repeat the prayer for doing something haram. Yani from terms of like clothes and uh, things like, uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of his clothes wearing, okay? So, Shaykh Al-Tamin says that if you were to actually follow the Hanbali line, then this hadith indicates that من شرط الثوب الذي تستر به العورة أن يكون مباحا So therefore, it is very clear that from the conditions of a thobe that you use to cover yourself is that it must be permissible in all of its aspects. And if it's not, then not only is it haram, but you want to repeat the prayer. However, Shaykh Uthaymin says the majority of the scholars, of the people of knowledge, okay, they said that the prayer is not invalidated if the awrah is covered by a haram garment, by a harab thobe, haram thobe. And you remember that I said that thobe here means women's clothes, man's clothes, it covers everything. It means garment, okay, it doesn't mean thobe like what I'm wearing, okay. Um, and why is that? Because what was required was sitar, and that has been achieved. That is what was required and that for the condition of the prayer and that is what ha has been achieved. لِأَنَّ um, And the not wearing of a haram thawb, yeah, this has not been made prohibited because of the prayer. This is a very important phrase for you to understand in usul. Okay? A thawb, which is haram, has not been prohibited because of the prayer. If it had been prohibited because of the prayer, different story. We're a different issue altogether. But it has been made haram for all of its reasons that it's been made haram. It's been made haram because of tashabbuh, because of men imitating women, women imitating men. It's been made haram because silk is one of those things which indicates that as well. It's been made haram because you stole it. It's been made haram because you stole the money. It's been made, yani, these clothes have been haram for other reasons, not because of the prayer. 
And so therefore what Shaykh Al-Tamin is saying is that these matters are unassociated. They're disconnected. Like I gave the example of a person not praying. And now you can't, yes, you can't imagine a person not praying and then fasting. But likewise, don't mix up the two and say that it is intrinsically connected so that a person who didn't pray, therefore then they can't fast either. Okay? Um, now, Shaykh Al-Tamin gives an example. If a shari, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a hadith said, do not pray in this thawb. La tusallif ya hadith thawb. This is the top of 175. Okay? And then he prays in it. Yes? Then we will say, this prayer is completely invalidated because the, the, the impermissibility of the thawb was completely and intrinsically linked to the prayer itself. Okay? Alright? Amma wa shari lam yanha ana salaf ya hadith. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so uh, as we just said, uh, what has been impermissible is to actually uh, uh, is to actually what's impermissible is to wear something which is haram for haram reasons. That's basically what's impermissible. Okay. Um, Sheikh Uthameen says, وهذا القول this opinion, this opinion, أعني صحة الصلاة بسطر العور بثوب محرم يعني that it is permissible to pray in a haram thawb. Meaning that not permissible, it is valid. Not permissible, let's get the words right. It is valid to pray in a thobe which is haram. Then this is the stronger opinion. He says. And I want to tell you that this is the position of Sheikh Uthameen. This is the position of myself. This is the position of our teachers. This is the position of Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar Shanqiti. It is the position of the Hanafi school, the Shafi'i school, the Maliki school. And it is the position of the majority of scholars. Okay, from the early and the old. All right. He then says something very interesting. That's of course, that's notwithstanding the hadith of the musbil, the one whose thawb was below his ankles being authentic. If that was authentic, he said, then we'd all be wrong because the hadith would then be very, very clear and we'd need to repeat the prayer. However, he says the hadith, the majority, or not the majority, he said many of Ahlul Ilm da'afa. They considered this hadith to be weak. And they said, It is not possible to establish an evidence on this hadith. And it is not possible to insist that a person has to repeat the prayer based upon a weak hadith. And that's correct. We cannot force the people to repeat an act of worship based upon a weak hadith. That's a major, major call. Okay? So... The question is asked, what if a person then prays in a haram thawb? Okay, what does he do? Alright, well we know then according to the Hanabila that they have to pray again. And according to the majority, they do not have to pray again. This is of course after you find out. Okay, we'll talk about what happens if you know before in a second. There's another question. In the text, it's very interesting that the author says, okay, Or he prays in a thawb that's haram. He prays... He puts on a thawb, he puts on alayhi, he puts on a thawb which is haram. Now, in our time, hardly people will just put a thawb on. Sah? They will have underwear. Or they will have undergarments. And I just want to differentiate between these two. We have different phrases in English. I have many phrases in English. Underwear is referring to pants, bras, this kind of thing. And sometimes t-shirts and vests. Then you have undergarments. Okay? which uh, might, might be like a, a short form of a dress, or for a man it might be like longer kind of sirwal and a t-shirt, okay? So those are, those are given a phrase of undergarments a bit more. 
Then you have clothes, and that's a generic phrase for everything. And then you have outer garments, don't you? And outer garments also can be two types. You've got like the coat jacket kind of type, shawl, which is very heavy and big and on the extreme end. And then you've got something which is in between kind of thing. Yep. So a thobe, a heavy one, could be seen as an outer garment. And in, in Muslim countries, it's used a second thobe on top of a first one, for example. Now, in Arabic language, we have phrases for this. Okay. Um, the phrases are shi'ar and dithar. Okay, now shi'ar are underwear, shi'ar, and dithar, okay, dalta alifra, dithar, they are al fawqani, yani, which is fawq, yani, the outer garments basically. So you can see what the question is about to be asked now. What happens to a person who's wearing a haram thawb on top of halal undergarments? Do you get? What's touching his body is halal. Yani, you might say, but he's still got the haram thawbah. We'll say that the aura is being covered by halal. That is obviously, now it's not going to be underwear, it's going to be undergarments, isn't it? Because underwear is not going to cover any uh, aura, right? So... فَلَوْ صَلَّ فِي ثَوْبٍ حَرِيرٍ وَتَحْتَهُ ثَوْبٍ قُطٍ أو صوف فَصَلَاتُهُ غَيْرَ صَحِيحَةً عَلَى مُقْتَدِي كَلَامِ الْمُؤَلِّفِ He says, according to what the author has said, if there was a person who wore a thawb made of cotton or wool, okay, and then put on a silk one, then the prayer would be invalid. Because the author by his statement has basically said that he puts on a, uh, a thobe upon his body which is haram okay however uh, uh, so, so then he says in kanatha wal muharram shi'aran wal mubah ditharan fa innahu la tasih wa in kana al aqs Okay, so it has also been said that if the haram thawb is the underwear and the halal one are out the outer garments, then it is also invalid. But if it is the other way around, then it is valid. And that is narrated in Al-Insaf. So therefore, if a person is wearing clean, pure, halal clothes underneath, which have covered the awrah and then puts a haram one on, then whatever you did to put the haram on, you'll be punished for that, but you do not need to repeat the prayer. And that's even according to some of the Hanbalis. So I want you to know that. And I just want you to be aware of this little uh, nuance. And I think this is correct, okay? But in any case, we know that even if he was wearing it not on top or not, then the majority say that the prayers want to be repeated anyway, okay? Um, what does Sheikh Uthameen choose? الراجح ما سبق من أن الصلاة في الثوب المحرم صحيحة. He said that it doesn't matter whether it's top bottom, not whatever. That the one who prays in a haram thawb, even if you put it on top or not, it's the haram, isn't it? Yeah. But the prayer is not affected. Then Sheikh then talks about something which is important. مسألة. This is very important from a da'wah point of view. Okay. He says he goes. What if a person is about to pray and he asks us, is it permissible to pray in a haram thawb? Okay. And what have we just said? We've said that the prayer is valid. 
Isn't it? He says, so is this what we say to this person? That the prayer is valid. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So he's not prayed yet. But if he was to ask us after five minutes when he's prayed, he would ask us, isn't it? And we'd say the prayer is valid. You don't need to repeat the prayer. Now he asks us five minutes, but before the prayer. Uh, what's the question? Uh, I cannot pray in this talk. Well, the prayer is valid. Do we say that? And the answer is absolutely not. Absolutely not allowed to say that. Okay? You not you do not allow a person to go ahead and pray. And I'll translate for what he actually, Sheikh Uthameen, um, uh, uh, uh says. He goes, uh, يجب عليك أن تخلعه لا من أجل الصلاة فحسب ولكن لأنه ثوب محرم لا يجوز لا يجوز استعماله فهناك فرق بين أن يمكن الإنسان أن يستعمل المحرم فلا نمكنه وبين أن يسأل عن أمر قد مضى وانقضى فلا يؤمر بالإعادة لكن على المذهب تجب الإعادة أوكي يعني basically in summary it is not permissible to allow a person to have something haram and to use it. Okay? To allow a person to have something which is haram and use it. And I agree with that completely. We have to treat them both entirely differently. Whereas a person after the salah, if he's one, done it and whatever, then and we've said already, in either case, the prayer is going to be valid. But we will not allow a person to proceed. And the scholars and actually all Muslims should not believe that the rulings are the same even though legally they're the same, but the approach to them are the same when you do it from the beginning to the uh, before or after. I think that's an important point. Okay. Another issue: What if a person cannot find anything to wear except a haram thobe? Okay. All right. So then the sheikh says, "But we'll look then. If it is haram because of something that had happened to the people." To people, mankind, meaning that the haq of the people was taken, i.e., you stole it from someone. Okay, then you take off the thobe and you pray naked. You take off the thobe and you pray naked, and this is the uh, uh, this is one of the the prominent positions in the Hanbali Madhab. Actually, more than the Hanbali Madhab, a number of scholars said this. Okay, a number of scholars. They said why? Because it's not permissible to pray in this how uh, in this thobe. Because it is the right of someone else. Okay? The only exception to this, the only exception to this is what? Is if you were to die of cold uh, if you didn't wear it. In this case, even though it is someone else's thobe, even though it is the right of someone else, even though you would actually pray naked and it would be better for you, okay? You are allowed now to wear it because it's a darura. Because it's a darura, because you're about to die, and it's not permissible to allow yourself to die, in this particular scenario. And he and Sheikh says, and at that moment, actually wearing it is something which is permissible at that moment. Yeah. Isn't the prayer to the Prophet when if you are not dying, I mean, to cover yourself with consciously? You, 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 you. Say it again. So we're talking about dying out from cold. No. So this person is going to become very ill or die or whatever. That's definitely hard until it's the wrong. Yeah, yeah. But even if you have to cover your satur, yep. so isn't that... Isn't a darura? Is that a darura? So uh, let's look at that question in two minutes. Let's see what Sheikh Uthameen uh, gives his opinion. Um, he goes, 
If something is impermissible for the sake of Allah, meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has made it impermissible for something for his own reason, okay? For example, a man and a silk thobe, then it is permissible. Because the, the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is one which you can deal with him directly, subhana, with, with respect to tawbah and so on. Whereas with another person who you've stolen something from, this is not under your control and you do not have permission and so on and so forth. Okay? Um, فَإِنَّهُ يُصَلِّ فِي لِأَنَّ تَحْرِيمْ لِحَقِّ اللَّهِ عَزَّ وَجِلِّ يَزُورِ عِنْدَ الدُّرُورَةِ And that is because, and this is the interesting point, that when it comes to the haqq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if there is a necessity, then the haqq of Allah is dropped. So we know for example, that it is permissible for men to wear silk if they have a reason to. Like they have an infection or they have an ex or whatever, why? And likewise they can do little things like this. But it's not allowed for you to steal someone's thobe if you have an infection. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So there has to be a differentiation made between the haqq of Allah and the haqq of the people. Alright? Um, and he goes likewise because Sheikh Uthameen is strict on pictures he goes if there's pictures of animate objects on it um, then uh, and he has no, no other option then he prays in it and he doesn't have to repeat his prayer okay now some of the scholars they said he goes, there's something very interesting, alright, I like this, this interesting discussion. He goes that if you were to steal a th someone's thobe, and you now don't have anyone, any other thobe other than it, it's okay for you to pray in it. Because the real issue is done, which is nicking it. Yani, he's basically saying that wearing it is like not a biggie in society. It's the stealing which is the big no-no. Once it's stolen, society really doesn't care too much about it. Okay? Sheikh Uthameen then goes a bit further. He says, he goes, generally, he goes, we assume from people that they're generous and kind people. And they're really upset about something being stolen. But if a person is generous and kind, and they had their thobe stolen, and then they heard that a person had to use it to pray with, normally they would say, okay. This is what he says. He says, yani, he goes, he, he, Sheikh says, this, this opinion is actually not so far from the truth. He goes that, especially if you know, and I find this يعني, quite a strange statement, he goes, especially if you know that the thobe that you nicked it from, from the guy, you know him to be a nice guy. يعني, which is a whole next level, he's nicking things from people that you know, right? Uh, if you know him to be a nice guy, then you know that basically it's not going to be, a, he's not going to make a major issue of you actually wearing it. And therefore, you would actually wear that thobe. Okay? You would actually wear that thobe. Alright. If he's a nice guy, you can just ask him. Well, I, 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 you do find some of these fucking discussions <laughs> get a bit crazy, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? And uh, uh, for the scholars to have to make this kind of distinction, if he is, as he said, if he's a nice guy, he should have gone to him in the first place and he would have let you borrow one anyway. <laughs> but clearly, again, this also proves the other point that people don't normally nick things for the reason of the prayer. They nick it for their own personal reasons. And so likewise, when we don't see a connection of, to the prayer, then then when he wears it in the prayer, we also shouldn't see a connection. <laughs> I find that that yeah, needs to be an interesting corollary. So then the final part here, well, uh, just the, of this sentence, 
or he puts on a dirty thob, meaning a thob which has najis on it, then he has to repeat the prayer. Okay? And what, what do we mean, Yani? We mean by najis thob that it is, Yani, purely, purely, uh, 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 um, it is pure filth. So, for example, it's made out of lion skin, for example. Yeah? So, made out of a leather or a skin which is belonging to the fanged animals. Yani in its entirety, then that would be impermissible. Or the najasa is huge, like a large area. Okay, so that it's not insignificant, it's significant. Now here, okay, this is not pardoned, then we are, uh, uh, the person needs to pray the prayer again, according to the Hanbalis. And if it's a, even, even according to the Hanbalis, if it's a small amount of najas, then this is ma'afu'a and this is pardoned. Small amount, yeah. And of course, this is our first two years of LP talking about this, yeah. Uh huh. If if someone is dying of thirst, they are allowed to steal someone's water, but they're supposed to pay for it later. Okay. But so if someone doesn't have clothes and they need to cover their sucker, they why can't they be allowed to take it and then later compensate for it? It's uh, so weird. It's not talking about the rura here. We're talking about mutlaq stealing without any intention of Salah being involved or anything like that? No, without any intention of paying back. One is that you steal just because you want to steal and one is that you steal because you have no other option. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I want to say that um, uh, let, 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 me, let me put it to let me put it in a different way. Okay, a bit more of an extreme example but I've mentioned this before. Someone gives you a gun and says, shoot him or we'll shoot you. What do you do? Okay, and you take the death and that's the end of it. Yeah. Now translate this to this version of you don't have a thobe and what do I do now? Death, you're, you're saying that death is, the qiyas can't be made upon death? So extreme? Meaning is is greater. You mean? Yes. You're right. But what about the principle, though? What has that other person done that you have to steal his thobe? You are a necessity. What's the necessity? You pray naked. Why do they speak for you? Go tell people to get out of the way. Tell the people to go around and whatever, whatnot. If it's for example, I've had to do that. Not praying though. <laughs> Not praying. But for example. Yani, in this very country that we're in right now, when a person yani, gets sick in the stomach, yes, and you there's no choice for you to do, yani, I'm talking the worst diarrhea possible ever, yes, what does a person do? What's a person going to do? Like worst, worst case scenario, let's say you're speeding in a, in a car or, or whatever, I mean, think of the most worst nightmare scenarios. You could have many. Person walking in a shopping center, person walking in a, uh, in a village, person in a car and let's say it's so bad suddenly something happens and you know that in 10 seconds that's going to happen what you're going to do you're going to minimize the negative the the, the, the the impact of that yeah so the first thing would be to try and get cover second then would be to get as many people out of the way as possible etc 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 okay my point is um uh how does that justify the preemptive act 
of stealing someone else's thawb. Not preemptive, for example. So we are talking about preemptive here, by the way. We are talking about preemptive. Lani, like, I, I, I almost feel like, like what you're talking about is let's say that a person has, let's say that a person suddenly became naked, yeah. right? Because that's also confusing. How did he become naked? But let's just say that there's a person become naked and then he's near a washing line, yeah? And it's Salah time, for example, yeah? Now, I agree with you here, you'd grab that and you'd put it on. Even if it's not so loud, then you'd grab that and put it on. That's also a good point. Okay. That's also a good point. You'd grab it and you'd put it on. Okay. But no, actually, I disagree. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't grab it. Uh, uh, or I might grab it. But what I'm trying to. No, the question is, are you allowed to grab it? Yeah, so, 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 so absolutely, there's no doubt about this principle that in a necessity, all the haram things, not all, the haram becomes permissible. However, this is not a principle al-itlaq. This is not an unrestricted principle. Okay? And there are exceptions to this according to time and place. So I'm just giving you an example here. When it comes to uh, nakedness, it is possible for a person to minimize that. Okay, as you're going to see, well, much later, what happens if a person is naked and doesn't have a thobe, how do they pray? And you see that the fuqaha, then they, they give a, a list of how you pray and how you physically cover your body and the movements are minimized. Okay, um, now there is a difference between grabbing something and shouting for help. Okay, that's why I'm saying that we've got to be careful here. Because, this me give, uh, you know, if I was in this scenario... What would I do? Okay, I'm assuming I have a phone. If I don't have a phone, it's all different. Okay, I don't like the idea of taking, stealing someone's clothes and walking off with it. I'm not comfortable with that idea, even if I'm naked. Because the option is for me to take those clothes to cover myself there and then and not steal it. Yeah, and you let the person come and say, I was using your clothes waiting here. That's not stealing. And stealing is a very specific phrase, masruqa means that a person did not want you to steal it and you stole it and you took it away. But if the person did not want you to drink their water while you were dying, you're allowed to steal it and still drink it. Uh, correct. Correct. So you're saying that there's a contradiction between the two? Yeah. I think the contradiction is probably fixed between loss of life and, and nakedness. I'm, I'm thinking personally for myself, if women have to cover a lot, if, even if the hair is exposed or something, and, yep. and somewhere in... I lose my hijab. I'm not going to grab the thing I see. And praying it there and then? No. See? At least I'm going to take it. Even if the owner doesn't want me to. Because I feel the shahr gives me that much permission. Well, I think it's a good question. I think it's a good question. And... Ultimately, the discussion of whether it uh, is haram and how haram it is, there's no doubt that there's a healthy dose of rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so on and so forth. And the legalities obviously must not talk about the rahmah of Allah. See, I think what's happening here is that both myself and yourself 
have allowed ourselves to become emotionally compromised. When you deal with fiqh, you have to stick to the law. The emotion is separate to it. Because as you said, right, or as I just said, that all said and done, all said and done, that guy, when they finds out that you nicked the thingy, they'll probably say to you, oh, well, you know what, okay, and that's fine, now give it back. Or even they'll say, keep it. You obviously need it, you're, you're desperate. And you know how, you know, Orat did it, they get even more yani, leeway, sah? Right? A woman would get like, you know, they wouldn't even question it. They would say this was genuinely. So there's, there's clear that there are cultural, societal differences, but we can't talk about that. We've got, that's why I said that this kind of little kind of tangent that he went on, which is if you know that a guy is generous, then you know what, it's societally acceptable, whatever, whatnot. To be honest, it was unnecessary. And I think actually your statement is probably more close to the truth. And that is that generally, that once a person has become such in a, such an extreme situation, then generally it's going to be valid uh, in that. I personally think, and as actually as Sheikh Uthameen thinks, by the way, that the prayer is not invalid but you're not asking that you're asking is it permissible to take it okay and i want to say to you that i think that we must not make it permissible i'll tell you why if we start making this permissible okay we end up into a very dangerous gray area that's why the scholars are quite comfortable for you to open the door to the rights of allah because it doesn't lead to a gray area. But once you start opening the door to other people's property, you then start to then set the ball rolling, which rolls down the hill very fast and ends up in disaster. What I mean is that it is conceivable that if we were to debate this and carry on debating it and come to the conclusion, like you said, that it is permissible for me to steal, to cover myself, okay? Uh, because I need to pray. There, this act opens up a can of worms. What if I'm wearing some? What if I'm poor? Then all of the poor would probably look at their clothes and say, "To be honest, these are not good enough to pray in." And we start then kind of justifying an entire societal kind of movement, where people start to justify for their prayer the stealing of clothes. What about if we've justified that? Its extreme end would be the one that I told you, which is that in order to save my darura, I'm allowed to do something haram. And therefore, I can shoot this person, yeah, to save myself because the darura is saving my life and it's permissible to do something haram to do it, okay? Conceptually, they're not very different, these two examples. Obviously, one's extreme because you're shooting someone. But conceptually, it's the same thing. It's darura, I'm allowed to do haram and I can do haram to the other person. That's what we're saying. So, yeah, so I cannot pray naked if I'm going to steal someone else's, haram, uh, someone else's clothes. I am not meant to kill myself, so I'm going to kill the other guy. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It could lead to it. Now, whereas we say with pig, alcohol, silk, this, that, blah, 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 you know, not pray altogether. Not pray altogether. Someone's holding a gun to my head. You're not allowed to pray. Okay, I won't. And I just pray in my mind, for example. So all of these haram actions are permissible anyway, when it comes to the haqq of Allah. But I don't like the opening of the, of the other door. I, I genuinely don't. And I fully accept from an emotional point of view, okay, but not a legal point of view, 
that the other person might let you off and don't worry. And technically, if I take the thawb and I don't run away with it and I pray there and then it's not stealing, there's lots of all these things. And you're right, that's what we would do. And more important, if the person did it, we would not make them repeat the prayer, which is what the chapter is about. Okay, but what your issue is saying is that are you sinful for that act? I think definitely that's up for debate. I do agree with you. But I want you to understand why is it that scholars are allowing you to debate that? Uh, why? Because they don't want you to open that door. It's a real messy area. It's a really messy area when you start to justify allowing doing haram to other people. Your focus here is on the tiny thing. An insignificant thing, which is the covering of the hair for prayer, okay? Or even even, even awrah, yeah. okay? And it's insignificant in the scheme of things, but it can open the door to many other things. Am I making sense what I'm saying? Yes. The case might not be convincing, yes. but the it's important to understand the reason. Why the case is not, yeah, any. It's almost the same as what you just studied that even if he is allowed to pray in the stolen clothes, you're not supposed to tell him. Correct, correct. The law has nuances, and just because it's valid prayer, praying in a haram thobe, we must never, ever, ever allow a person to pray in a haram thobe because we're making a mockery of the law. Yeah, and likewise, once we start to say it's open season on other people's properties for our own personal problems, you know what's problem here is that I'm not thinking straight. If I can think straight, and I could think of a number of examples where you would not say that you would do it. Think, you, you guys, give me some examples. You agreed, yeah, on the on the shooting, but your answer to that, you said, well, that's death. That's an exception, but. Okay, no, no, but it, 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 you didn't study it, actually. I'll tell you what you did. You got an extreme emotional example. There is no study of that. There was no example of that. Never happened in history. It doesn't exist. There's no hadith upon it. Self-defense is to... This is not self-defense. It is self-defense. You, you're shooting someone else for self-defense. But this is not equitable self-defense. So you can't really shoot another person. That's what I'm saying. It's not self-defense. It's not equitable self-defense. What's equitable self-defense? For example, if someone is harming me to an extent and tells me to harm another person. Yeah. So that's fair self-defense. Yeah. What's the other type of self-defense then? You don't know the person might kill you or might not kill you and you can't just kill the other person. You, you mean the one who's threatening you? Yes. Also then that goes into the... Uh, it doesn't yeah. matter if the soul you're stealing is the values. Yani, you're now saying that is it an issue of whether it is illegal yani, stealing yes. from hirs, yani, from a place which has been protected and so on and so forth. Yes, that also comes into it. That's why I said to you, that's why I gave you the example of open on the washing line and you're there. Or the classic example, when you see this in kind of different depictions, it's normally a person who's going past a stall and they just quickly grab something and put it around their head or whatever, right? Now, now this, by definition, isn't even stealing per se. Okay, that gets into a whole different mess, yani, of what is considered to be... I just remembered an example. Omar radiallahu he even lifted the hut at the time of drought when there was starvation. Okay. So, if even that could be halal to lift a hut, so he's stealing some... Uh, 
which you cannot lift. The right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is the concept. The stealing of people's food is not the right of Allah. That's the right of the people. The right of the people. He nullified the right of the people. Okay? Because of the hunger. How does that help us, by the way? So you're saying that it should be in Babel Aula, that it should be, yani we should be allowed to steal it, yeah? That's what I'm thinking. Maybe. I don't, th I don't think that's a bad yani, development. Hmm. I think, it's, I think it's a useful point. Anyway, something for us to reflect upon, okay? Um, and then, um, so what did we say? The Hanbali said that if there is a lot of uh, blood or a lot of uh, najis, then they must absolutely repeat it, okay? Must repeat it. Why? Because tahara is a condition of the prayer, and if you're not tahir and your place is not tahir and your clothes are not tahir, then you have not fulfilled the conditions of the prayer, okay? And repeat the prayer. They said a'ad, yani, they must repeat the prayer, and they didn't specify the differences, yani, of the, 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 the person. So sometimes the person could be aliman, he knows that he wore the, the, the thobe and dirty, or, or jahilan, that he didn't know, or dhakiran, meaning that he knew that the thobe was, uh, he remembered rather, that the thobe has, was dirty, or nasian, he knew but then he forgot, am adiman, am wajidan, yani he didn't find it or then he finds it afterwards. And this is according to the um, madhab. Alright, so, and then these are obviously different scenarios. So he gives some examples, okay, so he gives some examples. So, for, for example, a person, he prays in a thobe that he knows is najis, despite having the ability to clean it. This prayer is not acceptable, okay, because he has gone against Allah and his messengers, alayhi salam, their order. He must repeat the prayer, okay, and this is, we're all agreeing upon this, okay, we're agreeing upon that. He knows and he didn't make the effort to change it. Then you got another person who prays in a thobe, which is najis, and he didn't know that it was najis. So he is jahil, um, uh, 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 either of the fact that it was najis or jahil of the fact that it needs to be najis, uh, uh, pure. He didn't even know that yani, you know that you, you have to have a pure thobe, or he didn't know that actually he thought that najis for this mount was allowed. Yeah, so this is what it means by jahil, okay? And, and he didn't really realize this until after the prayer, okay? Um, now, according to the Hanbalis, he will repeat this prayer again, okay? According to the Hanbalis, he will repeat this prayer again. Because the Messenger وسلم, he said to a man who had not achieved tumatnina in the prayer, yani he was not relaxed enough, inna kalam tu salli, you did not pray, okay? Yeah, he didn't, you, you have, yeah, he, uh, he wasn't aware and he didn't understand and he was still said, you have not prayed and he was made to pray again. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept the prayer of someone, not accept, not accept the prayer of someone who is not in a pure state, okay? The third scenario is a person who prays in a, uh, uh, a thobe, which is najis, Okay, which is najis, and he remembers it, now he needs to repeat the prayer. So he's in the prayer, then he remembers his najis, 
He needs to repeat the prayer. And a fourth scenario is a person prays in the Najis prayer and then he forgets that he was wearing it or he forgot that he didn't wash it. He has to also repeat the prayer. This is all according to the Hanbalis. Repeat, 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 and all of them repeat. Or he, he prays, so he does not have the ability to actually wash it and he doesn't have any other thawb and this is an interesting position in the Hanbalis. He has to repeat the prayer even though, this is a classic Yani line, even though it was obligatory for him to wear that thawb when he prayed the first time round. Which is Yani Ajib statement to be honest. So it was obligatory for him to wear it because he had no other thobe. But he has to repeat the prayer because it was يعني, impure. Which is khalal, يعني, to be honest, and paradoxical. And then another one يعني, that he prays يعني, in a najis thobe and he has a pure thobe but he didn't use it. So he has to repeat the prayer. Okay? Isn't the previous one like the same thing we discussed earlier? They're not related. It was obligatory for him to wear it because of, you know, to cover his aura. Yep. But, you know, for the prayer, like that, that's just... Yep. Uh, and that's why he needs to, That's why we said, you're going to see now that we will not accept this. This is the humbly position. So that's why Sheikh Uthameen then says, But some of the scholars says, إِنَّهُ إِذَا كَانَ جَاهِلًا أَوْ نَاسِيًا أَوْ عَادِمًا فَلَا إِعَادَ عَلَيْهِ all of these scenarios, other than like what I said, at the, 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 yani, other than a person who intentionally wears an impure thobe, every other scenario, he does not need to repeat the prayer. Why does he not need to repeat the prayer? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنْ نَسِينَا أَوْ أَخْطَأْنَا And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded to this when we made this dua in the Quran. Allah said, قَدْ فَعَلْتْ I have yani, given you this. Okay, And this ayah is general. It applies to everything. And so therefore, then, uh, and this is of course one of the key key principles in Islam, and so therefore, um, what we know is that if a person has no choice uh, in a scenario, not and, or doesn't understand what's going on, or forgets, yani, or makes a mistake, Allah subhanahu wa taala will forgive him, and therefore he does not need to repeat the prayer. And he says, this is a very nice statement. He goes, this person who prays in a thobe that he didn't know was dirty, and then afterwards he realizes it was dirty, he is mukhti' la khati'. Now normally if you were to use these phrases separately, if we use you anta khati' or anta mukhti', they mean the same thing, you are mistaken. But if they are being used in an area where we need to differentiate between them, then the mukhti is mistaken and the khati is blameworthy. Okay? So the khati has to take some blame. Yani you can almost say sinful. Okay? I think sinful is actually a very appropriate phrase for this particular yani, point. Blameworthy. Okay? Um, and that's why Sheikh says, if he knows it's najis, then he's khati. Walakin huwa al-an mukhti, jahil. He's mistaken, ignorant. He doesn't know what's going on. So he doesn't have to repeat this prayer. And this is from the most yani, important yani, principles of the deen. And he goes also that we have a specific uh, uh, evidence for it as well. We have a specific evidence for it as well. Uh, that we do not need to repeat the prayer in this najis. Anyone know what that is? That is the incident of the Prophet ﷺ when he was wearing some slippers that were dirty. Yep. 
and Jibreel came and told him and he removed them and they removed them as well and then afterwards he said why did you remove yours they said we saw you do it they say, he said he said no mine were dirty Jibreel came and told me I removed them he didn't repeat the prayer they didn't repeat the prayer Najis was on there no issues at all okay so as for someone who forgets this is someone who is not aware and realizes afterwards as for someone who forgets so he knows it's a dirty thobe he says to himself, gotta wash it, gotta wash it, gotta wash it. Forgets to wash it, puts it on, prays in it. Nisyan, this is called. Well, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, yani, when you make the dua, in nasina wa So Allah also forgave the nisyan as well. Okay? And also we have a hadith. Um, so there is no i'adah, okay, for the person who forgets. And also we have a hadith narrated by Abu Hurair radiallahu an, narrated by Bukhari, that whoever forgets um, whilst he is fasting, that he eats and drinks, then let him complete his fast. Then let him complete his fast. So you're fasting, he carries on, let him complete his fast. Meaning that the fast is not invalidated. He does not have to repeat his fast. Okay? So, and he goes, well, يعني, This is a haram thing to do, to eat and drink while you're fasting. And to wear a thobe is also a haram thing to do, najis thobe, was prayer. Both were allowed to continue. So the prayer also is allowed to continue too, inshallah. Okay? Um, you're worried about Salah? Oh, really? Uh, uh, what time is it now? Uh, it's five minutes to eight. Right, so... We're like one hour and 15 minutes right now. Right, okay. Um, okay, I think, we'll, I think we'll, we'll pause there then. No, we will pause there. That's fine. Because, uh, give me this a And then we can start from here next. Right. So, so that was quite a few uh, questions in there. Any further questions from you guys? Any clarification points? Anything like that? Because it has got on a bit longer. longer. Next one, inshallah. Next lesson is going to be amazing backdrop. All sand in the middle of the desert. Inshallah. That's my plan anyway. I can't take location because, you know, James Bond never gives his location. <laughs> okay? Anyway, Zakmullah Khair, Barakallah, Fiqh, Subhanakallah, Bihamdik, Ashadu Allah, Ilaha, Ilaha, Ant, Wa Astaghfirullah, Allahumma, Wa Atu, Wa Alaikum, Wa Salaam, Wa Rahmatullahi, Wa Barakatuh.